Mystery is my hobby. Today's drama took place in May of this year. Inspector Noah Danton had come up to my apartment for an evening of tests. Earlier in the day, a young man named Peter Sidney had received an important phone call at his home in Port Washington. Hello? Yes, this is Peter Sidney. Who? Oh, the state planning board. Yes, of course. What? You have? Well, that's fine. A million and a half to... Uh, just, just a minute until I make a note of those figures. All right. A million and a half dollars, yes, for 520 acres of my land bordering on the Snake River in the upper Amanusik Valley region to be used as a dam site. Splendid. Isn't that agreeable to me? Oh, I should say it is. Very agreeable. Yes. Well, goodbye. Gosh, what a break. A million and a half dollars. Now Anita will be... Oh, Anita, come in. I was just going... Oh, and I want to talk to you, honey. Listen, the state... Please, Peter, what I have to say can't wait. I'm afraid to let it wait. Afraid? Afraid I'll change my mind. Afraid my courage will fail. It's about our quarrel last night, Peter. I thought it all over. The things we said were... Oh, is that awful? Forget it, darling. Look, I just... please. I've decided our marriage was a mistake. Oh? Oh, you have? I don't want to be unfair or unreasonable. We're not children, Peter. It isn't right to go on pretending. Have you been pretending, Anita? I'm afraid I have. I didn't realize it until last night. I mean, all those vicious words we hurled at each other. Down deep, I'm afraid we met most of them. Oh, nonsense. We've both been drinking. Things set out of a bottle are never worth remembering. But they are, Peter. They are. It was our real selves talking. Well, it wasn't my real self. I love you, Anita. You know that. I've tried to give you everything I promised, everything any woman could possibly want. That's what I'm trying to say, Peter. Don't you understand? No, Anita. I'm sorry. I don't understand. Oh, Peter, please, let's not be difficult with each other. You promised me so much, and I believed you. Oh, you've kept none of those promises. Could that be the reason you stopped loving me? I'm completely selfish, Peter. I admit it frankly. I like nice things. I like things that money can buy. Anita, do you know what you're saying? I'm sorry, Peter. I know it's cruel and unkind. I'm only trying to be honest with myself. Honest with yourself? Isn't that a little ridiculous? If you weren't honest with yourself when you married me... I thought I was. I was carried away. I believed everything you told me. So, it was money you wanted. Don't make it sound so wicked, Peter. Am I so different from other women? I'm young and beautiful and desirable. I don't want to become a drudge. Well, you misrepresented things to me. Misrep... Yes. Yes, perhaps I did. Perhaps I had too much faith in myself. Perhaps my hopes were too great. I did believe I could keep those promises. You know I did. Yes, I know you did. I was willing to wait to give you a chance, Oh, but... don't, don't say it, Anita. It isn't too late. Listen to me. My land in the Amanusic... How long did you think you could fool me with such a fantastic tale? I... I hate to have to tell you this, Peter. You probably think me rotten to have done it behind your back, but... I investigated that mythical property of yours. You what? Yes. I found that it was worthless scrubland, owned jointly by your sister and yourself. Valued at less than a dollar an acre. You did that? Yes, I did. I wanted to give you the chance of being worthy of being my husband. 
worthy being your husband. So, that's the criterion. That's the deciding factor. That's what caused you to reach your decision? If you want to put it in such a cold-blooded way, yes. If I want to put it in such a cold-blooded way, <laughs> that's good. That's rich. Stop putting on an act, Peter. There's no need to have a scene. Cold-blooded, she says. Me. Tell me, my dear. Just one thing. Who's the other man? Other man? Certainly there must be another man. You're not going to walk out on me unless you've got something better to go to. Not little Anita. She's too smart for that. Oh, I see. You do insist on being obnoxious, don't you, Peter? Yes, I'm obnoxious. Who's the boyfriend? Nick Wilbur. Nick Wilbur? Yes, Nick and I are... Peter. Peter, what's the matter? Nothing. They are. I'm all right. Give me a drink. Here. This whiskey will help. Peter, are you all right? Yeah, that's, that's better. For a minute, I thought I was a goner. What's your heart again? Are you all right now? Shall I call a doctor? No, no. I'm okay. So you weren't satisfied just to run out on me. And either you had to take my best friend with you. Oh, Peter, for heaven's sake, you're making me sound like a wanton woman. You are. I knew you'd act like this. I told Nick you would. He said you were adult, but you'd understand. So old Nick said I'd understand, did he? Of course he did. He wanted to come here with me this afternoon to talk it over with me. Oh, that was decent of him. But he is coming over tonight for dinner, isn't he? Yes, we hope we could make the final arrangements then. <laughs> Good. Good. I'll be very glad to see my old pal, Nick. Yes, very glad. Peter, what in the world are you doing with that gun? Huh? Oh, the gun. Fill my glass again, will you? Nita? <laughs> you, you don't think I'd do anything so melodramatic as to shoot you? Oh, not me, honey. People who shoot other people go to the electric chair. I'm quite comfortable where I am. Peter, put it down. Guns tighten me. Do they? Oh, what a pity. Perhaps you'd better leave. Yes, yeah. I, I think you'd better leave me alone, Anita, if guns frighten you. There's your drink, but... Peter, I do wish you'd put that gun away. Get out. Get out now. All right, I'll go. Goodbye, Peter. Afraid of guns, is she? Ah, cold water, she calls me. Me. A million and a half bucks. Uh, it's me. Old cold-blooded Pete. A millionaire. <laughs> And, and Nick's coming to dinner tonight to apologize for stealing my wife. Oh, that's good. That's rich. My old pal Nick and Anita who was afraid of guns. I drink to the lovebirds. <laughs> Oh, sure, sure. That's when I'm about to put you in a checkmate the telephone rings. Yes, Drake speaking. What? Who's calling, please? I see. You want to report a murder. I knew it. Just when we get settled down for a nice, quiet evening of chess. Quiet, Inspector. What makes you think it's a murder? I see. Uh, but there's no proof that... A million and a half. Yes, certainly. That's an admirable motive for murder. I've never heard of any better. Yes, I do, but since you won't tell me your name, how do I know? I see. And tomorrow morning's mail. All right. We'll take the case. We'll take the case, he says. Why the Yes, heck? within an hour. Goodbye. 
Is the car outside, Inspector? Sure, but fine. Let's get started. We're going to investigate a murder. Now, wait a minute, Bob. How do you know? I don't, Inspector. In fact, my informant, who refuses to give his name, says that when we arrive on the scene, we'll be told that Mr. Sidney died from natural causes. Is that a fact? But upon investigation, we will discover he died of unnatural causes. Well, well. Was this informant of yours a man or a woman? I strongly suspect that it was a woman trying to disguise her voice to sound like a man. Sounds screwy. Did he or she... Tell you who was responsible for these unnatural causes taking place? No, but he or she is willing to pay us for finding out. Inspector, get your hat. Nick! Nick, is that you? Anita, what's wrong? Oh, Nick, I'm so glad you've come. What's the matter, honey? What's happened? Peter, Nick, he's locked himself in his study. He's been there since this afternoon. He won't speak to me. I can see him through the window, but when I call, he won't answer. Did you tell him about us? Yes, this afternoon. Mm. First, I thought he was going to be decent about it, and then he took a gun from his desk. Gun? Peter? <laughs> I can't imagine Peter with a gun. What did he do, threaten you? No, I, I told him to put it away, that I was afraid of guns. He just laughed, a sort of wild, maniacal laugh, and told me to get, to get out. Well, in a way, I can't blame him. Telling him that you wanted a divorce to marry me must have been quite a shock. I'm not so sure that it was. Sometimes I think he was almost glad. There was something strange about his attitude, Nick. It wasn't like Peter at all. Did he know that I was coming to dinner tonight? And why? Yes, I told him. Good. Let's go up to the house. I think I can explain things so he'll understand. We've been friends a long time. Let's go around this way. Hmm. We can see Peter sitting at his desk through the window. Yes, poor old Pete. He's always been such a mousy little character. Hard to imagine him objecting to anything. Oh, he's weak. I don't know why I ever married him. Here, look. You can see him at the desk in his study on the second floor. Uh, yeah. He has the reading lamp arranged as though he might be working. Peter! Peter! Funny, he doesn't answer. Oh, he's just being stubborn like a spoiled child. Is there any other way of getting into the study other than the door from the hall? No, and he's locked the door on the inside. Uh, I don't imagine we'll have much trouble unlocking it. Any key to the other rooms in the house will probably fit. Oh, why should we bother? If he wants the salt, let him. I think we ought to settle this now. After all, Peter's still your husband. Come along. Peter. Peter. Oh, let him alone, Nick. He's always thought that acting like a spoiled child will get him what he wants. Well, this time... No. Peter might sulk, but he wouldn't go to this extreme. Let me take that key. It probably won't fit. Yeah. Well, unless Pete's had a special lock put on the door. <coughs> ah, there, I knew it would. Still at his desk. Hello, Pete. Nick, he didn't even look up. Oh, Nick, don't touch him. Pete, what's eating you? Good Lord. Nick. Nick, what's the matter with him? Why did he fall over like that? Peter. Dad, Anita. Dad? Oh, no. Must have died while he was sitting at his desk. His heart. Yes. yes, that was it. He had a heart attack this afternoon when I told him I was in love with you. It must have been more than he could take. Poor guy. Well, it had to come sooner or later, I suppose. What a pity it couldn't have happened before he knew about us. Nick, what are we going to do? Do? We'll summon a doctor, I suppose. There'll have to be a report. Nick, look. A note written in Peter's handwriting. Good Lord. What is it, Nick? What does it say? State planning board. 
One and a half million dollars for land and Amanosa Trout. Anita, the state planning board is paying Peter a, a million and a half dollars for his land so they can build a dam. Paying, paying Peter a million and a half dollars? Yes, rid of yourself. A million and a half dollars, Anita. Now it's all yours. Oh, no. Oh, no, it can't be. Not for that old scrubland. Peter. Peter, why did you do it? We could have been so happy. died of natural causes. He had a heart attack this afternoon. I was with him. Besides, Dr. Barry has already signed his report. Did uh, Dr. Barry perform an autopsy, Mrs. Sidney? Well, of course he didn't perform an autopsy. Why should he? To determine the real cause of your husband's death, lady. That's usually why autopsies are performed. I don't have to be sarcastic, Inspector Denton. We did everything we were supposed to do. It seems to me that your quarrel is with Dr. Barry, not with us. Well, maybe you're right at that, son. We'll get a hold of Dr. Barry and have a talk with him. Why should you do that? I'll not let you perform an autopsy on my husband's body. I received a telephone call, Mrs. Sidney. We were told that your husband had been murdered. If when we arrived here, we would be informed that he died of natural causes. And that's the way it worked out. So that's why we're suspicious. Who made the telephone call? We don't know. I knew it. You're lying. This is some kind of hoax. I don't believe a word of it. Is it true, Mrs. Sidney, that your husband received an offer from the state planning board of a million and a half dollars for some land he owned in the Amonistic Valley? Well... How did you know that? Our informant on the telephone told us. You see, if he knew that much, it's quite likely he knew other things, too. Especially when you failed to mention anything about that million and a half bucks. Well, why should I mention it? What business is it of yours? None at all, Mrs. Sidney. Except that we already checked with the state planning board, and we've learned that no such offer was made to your husband. No such offer made? Well, it's nonsense. I thought I saw the note myself. What note, Wilbur? Why, the note that Peter wrote. Must have taken it down over the phone. We found it lying on his desk. Mm -hmm. May we see it? Of course. Need to show him the note. No, why should I? Well, all right. Here it is. Thank you. Hmm. There's no doubt that your husband thought he was being offered a price for his land, Mrs. Sidney. What do you mean, thought he was being made the offer? What possible reason could he have had for writing that note unless he'd been made the offer? The way we figure it, lady, a million and a half bucks is as good a motor for murder as any. Motor for murder? Who'd know about the offer besides... Yes, besides you, Mrs. Sidney. And, of course, your boyfriend here. Now, see here, then. Isn't it true that you two are in love with each other? And didn't the lady tell her husband this afternoon that she was leaving him cold? But how... Could you know that? Oh, we get around. Just answer me one question. Wouldn't you stand to inherit that million and a half if your husband should die? Well, no, not all of it. Peter owned the land jointly with his sister. His sister? Yes, her name is Clara Sidney. She lives on the other side of town. If you're looking for people with motives, why don't you talk to her? She hated me because she claimed I abused her precious brother. Oh, we'll talk to her, all right. Why should you? Why should you talk to any of us? If what you say is true, no offer for the man was made by the planning board, and therefore there wasn't any reason for anyone to want to kill Peter. That's just the point. What we want to know is, was the note a scheme of Sidney's to give someone a motive for murder? To give someone a motive? Yeah, figure it like this. Maybe Sidney was suspicious of someone. Maybe he reasoned that if that someone had a strong enough motive, they'd try to knock him off. Then he'd know what the score was. Oh, that's fantastic. Sure it is. Motives for a murderer are always fantastic. So we got to bring everything out into the daylight, understand? 
We want to know who it was called us on the telephone and why. But more important, we're anxious to learn whether or not Peter Sidney died of natural causes. Of course he did. Oh, I see it all now. This afternoon I told him that I felt our marriage was a failure and I was going to divorce him to marry Nick. Peter had a heart attack but recovered. It must have been more serious than I thought. Pete knew he was going to die. He wrote that note to gain revenge on Anita. He wanted her to think he was rich. And then he just sat there and waited to die, eh? Nope, we can't buy that. It doesn't add up. Well, I'll answer. If you don't mind, Mrs. Sidney, I'll take it. Yes? Oh, yes, Dr. Barry. Uh-huh. I see. But are you sure? That's conclusive, then. All right. Thank you very much, Doctor. What did he say, Mr. Drake? Dr. Barry's analysis proves, Mrs. Sidney, that your husband died of a dose of cyanide poison. <laughs> Too bad we couldn't have gotten here before the place got messed up. Messed up, Inspector? Sure. How do we know what the setup was? Doc Barry had the body moved. Mr. Sidney picked up the note. Everybody had plenty of time to arrange things just the way they wanted them. Mm, yes, because nobody suspected murder, Inspector. Death by natural causes. That was the doctor's first report. Somebody knew it was murder. Are we sure of that, Inspector? There's always a suicide angle, you know. Suicide? Mm. Then who was it who called you on the telephone? And why did whoever it was say it was murder? And how did he or she know about the million and a half bucks? Yes, that's what we're out here to find out, isn't it? Yeah. Let's see now. According to the stories we've been told, Sidney was sitting here at his desk. You know, Bart, now that I think about it, maybe that suicide angle isn't so far off. Apparently the poison was taken or administered with whiskey. There's still some whiskey in this bottle. Yeah, just say, for instance, that Sidney was in love with his wife. All right. She gives him the brush. He decides to kill himself, and he does. According to Mrs. Sidney and Nick Wilbur, the reading lamp was arranged so that the light came over Sidney's right shoulder. That would indicate he was left-handed. Yes, sir, that's the way it happened. I'll bet two bits that that telephone call was a gag. People who are right-handed usually arrange the lamp so that the light comes over their left shoulder. Well, Inspector, Coincidence. That's what it was, coincidence. The sister called up, disguised her voice, and told Sidney that the planning board was buying the land. She knew that Anita and Wilbur were pulling a fast one. Hey, Bart, what are you doing over that window? It occurred to me as odd, Inspector, that Sidney would sit there at his desk with the light burning and not pull down the shades. Most people don't like to be peered in at. However, I found the answer. Okay, what's the answer? The shade stuck. Huh. Well, there's no use looking around anymore. I got it all figured out. Suicide. Suicide, Inspector. Sure. Didn't you hear me figuring out why it was suicide? No, no. Is that what you were doing all that time? Let me think a minute, Inspector. There's a false note here somewhere. Let me think. He says, look, Bart. I told you, you didn't have to think anymore. It was suicide. That telephone call came from the guy's sister. Suicide. Here, hand me that phone, will you, Inspector? Huh? Quick. I think, yes, I'm almost sure. Here's the phone. Now what's happened? Who are you calling? Dr. Barry, Inspector. Barry, does he figure in this? Say. Hello. Dr. Barry. This is Barton Drake calling. Yes, that's right. I wanted two more questions I wanted to ask you. First, what time was it when you received your call from Mrs. Sidney? I see. And you came over immediately. Huh? And uh, when you performed the autopsy, how long would you say Sidney had been dead? Seven hours. I see. And you're sure it was cyanide poisoning? All right, fine. Thank you very much, Doctor. Goodbye. Well, Inspector, I think you're right. It was Sidney's sister, Claire, who called him on that million-and-a-half-dollar deal. Sure. Just like I said. 
suicide. Coincidence. Coincidence, Inspector, but not suicide. If you come with me, I'll prove it to you. We've already told you how we discovered Peter's body, Mr. Drake. Is it necessary to go through all that again? I'm afraid it is, Mrs. Sidney. What time was it that uh, you talked to your husband this afternoon? About three o'clock. Why? Is that important? Very important. You say he had a heart attack when you told him of your uh, interest in Mr. Wilbur? Yes, he took a drink of whiskey. That revived him. Now, look here, Drake. Is all this questioning necessary? Look him in, Inspector. Did you talk to Sidney's sister? Yeah, I talked to her, and I had the deal figured right, too. Mm. It was she who called Sidney and told him about the planning board buying that land for a million and a half dollars. Clara called Peter. Why, for heaven's sake? Because she wanted to give you a motive for murder, Mrs. Sidney. Give me a motive for... Sure. Aaron knew about you and your boyfriend here. She was figuring on tipping off her brother about how things stood. The thing is, she was betting that you'd miss the boat when you tried to knock off hubby. Well, that's out of rubbish. Of course it is. I didn't even know about the sale of the land until Nick and I found Peter. So, can you prove that, Mrs. Sidney? Prove it? Why should I? Isn't my saying it enough? No, I'm afraid it isn't. Because it was you who murdered your husband. I murdered Peter. That's very amusing, Mr. Drake. Is it? Maybe you won't think so when Drake gets through telling you how he knows. Go ahead, Bob. Thank you, Inspector. When you came to your husband's study, Mrs. Sidney, you had the cyanide with you. You dropped it in his whiskey glass after he had his heart attack, knowing he would take another drink after he'd recovered. The cyanide works instantly. I didn't. Why should I want to kill Peter? That was at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Later, after dark, you returned to the study, propped Peter up at his desk, and turned on the reading lamp so that anyone passing by on the street would see him sitting there, apparently working. You're making that up. You, you haven't a shred of evidence. Then you locked the door with a key from some other room and walked down to the corner store so that you'd have someone who could swear you hadn't been home while your husband was supposed to be dying of natural causes or committing suicide. That's a lie. Tell him, Nick. Tell him I was with you all evening. Anita, you... You didn't murder Peter, did you? Of course not. How could I? I was with you, Nick. You know I was. Then you must have been with John Gray, too. John Gray? Yep. We checked up and found that Nick was with a guy named John Gray until he came here tonight. Oh, no. Sorry, Anita. <laughs> you should have taken me into your company. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. You could have been with John Gray. No, no, Nick. Placed me in checkmate when the phone call came. Go ahead and move. Was I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what piece do you suppose I was going to move? I haven't the faintest idea, Inspector. <laughs> Neither have I. Uh, say, uh, Bart. Oh, yes, Inspector. Have I got to ask? Ask? Of course. Oh, doggone it. You know what? Now quit being so hard to get along with. <laughs> All right, Inspector. It was the light. The light? Yes, the reading light in Sydney's study. You see, Mrs. Sidney said she hadn't seen her husband since 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Well? Well, Dr. Barry said he arrived at the Barry home at 9 o'clock in the evening. 
He performed his autopsy at 10.30 o'clock and found that Sidney had been dead for seven hours. Hey. That's it, Inspector. Seven hours from ten and one half hours brings the time of death to 3.30 in the afternoon, doesn't it? That's right, by golly. And at 3.30 in the p.m., Sidney wouldn't have been sitting near a window with his reading lamp on, would he? Naturally not, Inspector. So someone had to come in and turn on the light so Sidney would be seen from the street after it became dark. Son, you amaze me clearing up mysteries that way. Tell me... How you doing? Oh, Inspector, I don't see why you ask. The answer to that is obvious. After all, you know, mystery is my hobby. 